All right, we are live for another edition of our weekly Wednesday series where I have the fortunate opportunity to get to interview some of the top realtors all across the country. And today I'm delighted to have Renee with us. Uh, she's out in Hi. the Virginia area, is that correct? Yes, Lynchburg, Virginia, East Coast. East Coast, wonderful. Yeah, so we're gonna learn a lot about her local market, how she started her business how, and what where she's at now, kind of what she's has going on in the future. But um, before we get started, if there's anyone that's uh, renting right now or looking to do a trade up, you know, as you probably have noticed, and Renee will probably point to this as well, interest rates are at crazy, crazy record low figures. It's um, the thing that's happening in the Bay Area in terms of property prices increasing is not unique. Uh, many people think we're in this, you know, Bay Area bubble, but it's actually happening across the US every, yeah. every time I have the conversation. So we're gonna learn a lot more about that with Renee and her local market. But if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me direct. Happy to go over your situation. However, without further ado, let's get going. Renee, please uh, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself. What did you actually do before real estate? And then when did you actually get into the business itself? Okay, first Spencer, thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, so before real estate, I was a university professor for almost 15 years. So everyone jokes over here because I'm always like, I have four degrees. I almost got my doctorate. And right before I was going to do the dissertation, I had just purchased my home here in Lynchburg. My first home purchase ever. I knew nothing about real estate apart from working alongside a friend here locally. And I had a horrible first time home buying, like horrible. And I just decided after that to get my license with the intention of having, just having it, like just having that to use for myself. And uh, life did what it does where the unexpected happened. And one summer I lost my teaching hours. They kind of just cut back and mm -hmm. I decided to jump into real estate full time. And within two months I made my salary. <laughs> I was like, really? uh, wow. I'm not going back. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's incredible. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. And I, and it was, you know, it wasn't because I'd been building this great business prior to, you know, some people think that you have to, like, I've heard agents be like, Oh, you have to come in. It takes a year to make any decent money. And mm -hmm. I had held my license for two years, but I was a full-time university professor. So I wasn't working. Like I had, I do open houses, pick someone up here and there, but you know, no, I kind of had nothing. I had nothing on the books as of June 1st. I found mm -hmm. it May 31st. I had no income until September. And as of June 1st, I just started and I made, I was able to earn. And cause you know, you can turn a house in 30 days. Sure. The 60 is kind of the expectation, but sometimes people want it quicker. So yeah, I was able to make my salary. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's crazy. Right. I mean, it, I mean, everybody takes some time to get to get going um yeah. and so how did you land your first clients at that time was it through the friends was it a referral was it an open house and were you actually telling people because you were technically licensed you mm -hmm. know for two years were you at least subliminally like passing that message out or or not really so I don't know what it's like where you are or anyone listening is, but uh, this town is very tiny and there's probably 500 or 600 agents to a population of, and I can't tell you right now, but it's like for every agent, there's, you know, a handful of clients, right? The numbers are, the numbers are discouraging. Let me put it to you that way. Wow. So when I started every, like I could throw a stone and hit an agent that I was friends with, you know? Mm. So it wasn't like I was 
actively telling people. What I did have that is incredibly helpful if you are looking to get into real estate is I had a good, a good friend who was an agent and he took me under his wing. And so I was able, he was established and I was new. And so he was able to let me do open houses, like really where my business came from on the onset was open houses, 100%. Now that's an interesting space for agents yeah. right now because yeah. we're still holding them here. I would say COVID hasn't had the same impact here in Virginia that it's had, or I should say Lynchburg, Virginia, that it's had in other parts of the world and country, but um, it's still not you know, full throttle. So I think I have thoughts on that too, but yeah, I would say when I, when I put pedal to the metal, you know, prior to that, I would pick a client up here and there at an open house because I was casually doing it. Mm-hmm. I, my mindset changed. So on June 1st, I didn't go to an open house thinking, oh, I hope I pick someone up. I went to an open house saying, okay, I need, I intend to meet this many people, you know, mm-hmm. and I will keep doing open houses until I meet this because I knew it was a number. It's a numbers game, right? Interesting. And did you just do it on the weekends or did you also do the weekday, you know, twilight ones too? So here in Lynchburg, we're about 10 years behind the rest of America. Okay. <laughs> and so I know in major cities, like the guy that took me under his wings, he worked in Clearwater and you could do an open house any day of the week. And oh. were that the case here, I probably would have. Um, but I did have, at the time, the broker I was working for had brand new houses and he's like, you can sit at one any day of the week. Um, so if I had like a window of, you know, I would try and promote it on Facebook and social media and go sit. But yeah, I would do it as often as I could. But I would say truthfully that I did it every Sunday from two to four. I did it till COVID every single Sunday from two to four. That You know what I say? You're an agent, right? right. Most people go to work from nine to five. The only time we have to work, like at least here in this town, because they expect open houses to be Sunday from two to four. Like if oh, they see open house, yeah, it's expected. Like if they see open house, they don't look at the day and time. They just assume. So mm-hmm. holding them on a Saturday could be a waste of your time because they're all thinking it's the next day. So oh, I, wow. yeah, it's weird. So I was there every Sunday from two to four. And I mean, depending on how I promoted it, I also would say that you want to do the open house. I chose to do them at houses that were in that price, bra- the median price bracket. Mm-hmm. Cause you, as you climb the price brackets, fewer people can afford. So fewer people come out to look. And I was looking for quantity, right? So mm-hmm. I was doing the townhouses that were 200,000. Like our median here is 250,000. So whatever your median is where you are, that's where the, the houses you want to be at. Cause that's what the average person can afford. So from those townhouses, I'd find 500, 600, 700, you know, I'd find the bigger mm-hmm. buyers. It was weird. Like they turned into all kinds of different things, but I was trying to maximize my time and maximize my exposure. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And so, yeah, tell us a little bit about the local market. If it's a small town that you mentioned, um, what what are the drivers of why you know why are people living there? Is it a is it commute town? Is it is there other is it a retirement community? What's the driver of people moving to the area? So Lynchburg, Virginia. If you look it up, we host or house the largest Christian university in America. So hmm. our plus four other local institutions. So we have like three other colleges and another university. So it's a really big college town. So what started to happen when they started building, because there really wasn't a lot of new construction about 15 years ago. And then it picked up because they were building townhouses like to accommodate these kids because parents were coming in to buy for their college kids and then selling when they graduated. So there's that market. But then we also have two really big companies in the area. 
BWXT, which is one of the biggest nuclear plants in America. And then we have Ariba. So we have a lot of corporates in and out um, with these two humongous companies that bring their employees in. And there's a couple other subsidiary companies. So there's a lot of corporate travel here. And then there's a lot of college travel here. And then there's people that just stay. Like I'm one of the ones that came for college in the States. And when I say there's some, I mean, there's a lot of us. Like we just came here and just never left. Um, to give you proximity, we're about, we're about four hours away from Washington, DC and three and a half from Virginia beach. So inland. So we're like central Virginia that far from like those areas. Um, an hour South of Charlottesville, if you know, Dave Matthews, <laughs> we're an hour yeah. South of where he, he was. So what's changed though, since COVID, which is really fascinating is I've been getting, cause I, so once I built my business, I started to invest my money. Cause you know, we need those tax write-offs. Mm -hmm. I started to invest my money into lead gen. Right. And so lead gen actually saved my business in COVID because I couldn't do open houses right. and all the leads that were coming in from my lead gen were people, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of them were people, two things. One, people were relocating from major cities to our town because we don't have, we don't have the numbers. We don't have the restrictions. We don't like, oh, it's so easy to be here. Like it's like, to be honest, if it hadn't been for the empty streets during COVID, the lockdown, I wouldn't have known the difference. Like it just wasn't, there wasn't right. even notable rioting. Like we had one little area where a guy said something he shouldn't have and it started a fight, but it's just, we're tiny town America. So we're getting a lot of these people from big cities that are leaving because they don't want to get stuck in that situation again one day. And then the other thing I'm noticing, which is really crazy, is that people are moving to be near family. Like that, I mean, it's almost like, and whether it's across towns, so like I just sold a house for someone that wants to move an hour on the other, like it's an hour, same, same town, but it's an hour to her parents. She wants to be close. Or I've got people are like, I'm going to North Carolina. I'm going home, wherever home is, and they're out. So, or people coming in because their family's here. And they, so a lot of relocation because of COVID to be near family. So very, it's just interesting times we're in. That is interesting. Like, do you ask or track like where are the top maybe two, two or three cities that people are coming from? Is it, is it a Washington DC or is it even further out than that? I would say like, I, I don't track it like across the board, but I would like for me, I've been moving them from west to east. So west I east. do. Okay, interesting. Yeah, okay. so a lot like Seattle, California. Like I've oh, really? literally relocated. I've literally relocated in the last three months for families from that sight unseen from west to east, and we did it all through. I mean, technology is insane. I we did everything through. Um, FaceTime or Google Duo or whatever the platform was that suited us, but it was all video. And is it like, how do they know of the city itself? If it's a small town, was it because of the affiliation or the knowing of the Christian university? Or is it like, how did they even know to search your town versus all the other towns right in the East coast? Any They're idea? All, it's all different. So one, one of them there was, she was here for Liberty, had a family left, wants to come back. Cause some of her family's still here. One of them, we have the Appalachian trail that runs oh, through here. I relocated people that wanted to live specifically on the Appalachian, like wanted their property, but up to the trail. So we got a lot of nature lovers that come out this way because there's a huge amount of outdoor stuff here. Yeah. Um, untouched, just untouched areas that are just gorgeous. Um, and then, and then, the, but a lot of it is, it's usually familial. Like I, I have family here, had family here from here, you know, weird. 
I just I just looked it on the map because I've never heard of it myself. And it's like all green, right? It's just like in a oh, forest, basically, yeah. right? It's like all trees. It's like in a forest somewhere. Uh, I'll tell you yeah. when I first moved here, the only yeah. thing that was here was Walmart. Like I thought I moved because oh, wow. I moved from Toronto, Ontario, which is a major right. international city. I right. moved from Toronto to here, and I thought, what's that? What is that TV show? Small? What is it? Small? The one where she moved from big city to small town. It was. Paris Hilton and her friend. I forget oh. them, but I felt like that that TV show because I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like when they said they were going downtown, it was down to like a street, right. one street, and I and I remember and there's and like half the the businesses had died because the <laughs> right. the what the vagrants had taken over. Nobody nobody goes downtown. I was like, "Where did I go?" And then it's weird because this city. So ironically, interestingly, this city was the second richest city in America in the 1800s. Because oh, we wow. have a, a major waterway that goes, our waterway in our city goes all the way to, to the ocean, James oh, River. Wow. So it was a trade route. So we yeah. have we we have mansions here, mansions that are stacked up next to each other. And I say mansions like you would think of from you know the early 1900s, like these huge, massive historic homes, wow. and just gobs of them. And they were all gutted because see when it went to rail, we lost the city lost some of its money. And then yeah. when it went to cars, we lost all our money. We don't have a main, a major highway. I have to drive an hour to get to like an interstate. So when it went to interstate, the city died and it went now. And now we're coming back because technology, we don't have to be in a big city to do what we did before. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, most of the interviews I've done are, you know, living either in the big city or if it's like the suburbs, but this is like a suburb of a suburb almost. You're in the rural. We're in the sticks. <laughs> this is the sticks. You're talking to someone from the sticks. I don't even know how you found me. Like, how did you find me? <laughs> yeah, that's no, a good question. I have to look. I have to look that up as well. Uh, that's crazy. That's interesting. And so, tell us a little bit about the business side, right? So, how many years have you been? Like, what have you seen your own kind of production levels? And you, you you mentioned about the situation and, and you, it was interesting that you brought up that actually open houses are back uh, in your case. Um, tell me a little bit about that too, but let's go about uh, production levels and, you know, are you on a team or is this a solo realtor that that'd be helpful too? Okay. So production levels, I've been a realtor. I was licensed four years ago. I've just started my broker's license, but not because I needed, I'm in an agent of brokerage. So I don't, I have the perks of a broker without right. needing the license. I just miss teaching. So I'm thinking I might like teach agents how to become agents um, right. as a side thing someday. So you need your broker's license to do that. Um, but four years ago, I got my license. And like I said, I did it for me because I was so upset with my experience. And then, you know, it was more like a friend's like, I think I need to sell. I'm like, oh, I mean, I can help you. And they're like, oh, okay. And like, you know, here and there a couple little. And then it was two years ago in mm -hmm. May that I lost my job. Like I had no money coming in for till September. You know, I didn't lose it. They just weren't giving me work over the summer. So mm. um, that's when I went full throttle. And at that point I was in my second brokerage. Mm. I, and then what upset me was that in my second brokerage, I, I made them a crap ton of money in a really short amount of time. And I realized that no matter what I sold, they're taking that percentage from me and I wasn't getting anything in return, like nothing, you know? Right. So every brokerage is very different, but that last, December I'm switched to the one I'm in now and that I would say that I had like so yes to the team I have a team but there we don't work 
I'm a solo in terms of my production, mm -hmm. but I, we help each other in the sense that like, I will kick them leads when I'm like, right now I'm so slammed. I've literally been giving leads away. Cause I don't even have time to show them. Like there's only so many hours in a day you can show property yeah. <laughs> and I can't I'm out. I'm out. I'm out of hours. Like I'm out. So, um, there, so we're in a team and that we're in this, you know, we're in this agent owned brokerage together, but my production was all by myself. So what I did to produce, um, two things I would, I am a listing and buyer's agent. I don't distinguish. I know some people do. And I understand why, like I act funny enough. I actually prefer a buyer to a seller. Um, but I don't want to pigeonhole myself that way. Um, so I limited, what I did is I limited the amount of homes I had for sale. And that was because I wanted to give everybody you know, good attention. So I limit myself to five. Like I don't have more than five listings at a time. Mm -hmm. I've never even come to a situation where that's been a problem yet, but that's my rule. And then um, because I have so many buyers. And so I, the, my collection of buyers at first, like I said, was through strictly through open houses. So mm -hmm. in a time like now where there's a, it's the market's hot because rates are low, buyers are good. There's a lot, like you can find a lot of them. And I did find though in talking to people from different cities that not everyone has the same success with open houses. So I don't know if that's a, a local or regional thing. Like they just work here. Like I, I, you know, it goes into our MLS and then it goes into Zillow and Realtor. So I didn't even, I actually did a study because the academic in me would do this. And I studied the, when people came into my open house, cause I had a broker that made me pay to put the open houses in newspapers and these other places. Right. But I was like, I don't think anyone's like, even yeah. if they pay attention to that, they're still just going to go to realtor. So I asked every time they came in, I would say one out of a dozen might, or a hundred might've been like, Oh right. yeah, I saw it in a paper, right? We just don't do that anymore. So it's a very cheap way for you to get, you know, because it doesn't have to necessarily be your name, but you would, I would ask the listing agent to say you're hosting it. So your mm -hmm. name's there, right? To give you mm -hmm. notoriety. Um, although if you're worried about people stalking you and trying to hurt you, you may not want to do, we yeah. literally, so I'm talking about open houses and then literally a month ago, in an adjacent, very tiny town from here, a girl was attacked and nearly wow. killed at an open house. Yeah. So I've actually put the open house thing on hold. And that's why I say like, I don't know what I would do if I was starting out now because yeah. op open houses have become taboo here because of that. You know, people are still doing them, but I went and got my concealed carry. <laughs> yeah. Self-defense. Self um, but be smart, right? Like if you're going to do an yeah. open house, make sure you're back. Or partner up, right? Partner, Sometimes, like yeah. you may partner with a lender or something, just from a safety perspective, right? That, you that know what? Helps. And lenders are hungry, so yeah. you know, reach out to one and have a different one every Sunday. Like you know, network right. that way too, because every lender has something different to offer. And a hundred percent partner up. Yeah, like I just right now, the world's so unstable. But what I did at open houses was, is I would act like everybody coming in had an agent already, because see, you, you don't want to come off like a used car salesman, and I think. Any open house that I went to, because it's funny, like I could tell you to do an open house, but how you do the open house is That's where right. you find your success, right? That's so right. I paid attention when I went to open houses. I would go, I actually would go to open houses myself and I would, you know, meet agents and see what, watch them talk to other people and see how, you know, are they asked, like, what are you doing to get this person to maybe think of you as their person, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the idea is you want to make that connection, not I want your money, like, cause they feel that, like, I don't know how to stress 
um, we put off an energy of what our intentions are. And so if your intention is to help someone, they are going to be way more receptive to you than if your intention is to make money. Does that make sense? And so I, even the, even though I was desperate and I say desperate for income because I had no money coming in, I couldn't let that be where my mind was. I had to have my mindset be, no, it will come if I help when, as I help. And so providing help for people when they came in and just not ex having expectation, I just was able to connect with so many people. And um, it was just enough to, you know, clear one, two, five, seven closes in less than 60 days. That's crazy. I mean, uh, everybody has, uh, you know, different progress, right, of how soon they can get success. I think it, it certainly shows uh, the way that you um, handle yourself to build that trust, especially to strangers is incredible, because that's certainly not easy. Like I, I personally, that's how I got started too. Uh, I did open houses every weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. Right. And I did get a lot of clients, but but it did take a while too, right? Uh, Fair. And, yeah, yeah, it took a, it took a while. But then they eventually ended up becoming cost clients and things like that. So I think yeah. there's certainly a some tricks that you must have. <laughs> well, I'll share, well. I'll share one with you because this sure. is something that I learned. I was actually in multi-level marketing for, and I okay. wouldn't say that I'm not even in it right now because <laughs> I, I still work for a multi-level market. I still make money from multi-level marketing company, but I would say that something that that I did that for four years before I was, while I was teaching before I went into real estate and something that they taught me was that you never like you, you have to find the now people. So I think what I've watched, so the people I've brought into the brokerage with me, like, you know, the people you would call a team, but they're just the people that are under me. Um, what I watch them do is they go like, they find someone who says, yeah, I want to buy a house. And they go like this and they grab on and they're like, you know, this is my per, you know, we're going to, but like, you just said it, like you find them, but they are going to buy eventually. Right. So mm. when, to take the pressure off the relationship, you have to look at every person where they are. And remember, you're looking for your now people while you still work with your one day people, right? So when you start to wanting to make your one day people now people is when you start to burn bridges, get frustrated and things don't work out. So right. I would meet them and you, and the only way you know that answer is to meet them and start asking questions. Like we make it so much about ourselves that we forget if you make it about that person, they're going to feel heard, validated, cared about, and they're going to want to work with you because you feel, they feel like you care, right? Which mm -hmm. you should. Yeah. Although sometimes people have to fake it, but <laughs> If you have to fake it, it's great. Just fake it. But um, like, so for me, when they would come in, you know, I'd ask a series of questions, you know, I'd be like, oh, you but questions you would ask anybody, you bump into somebody in the grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, how's your day going? Same stuff. Like it's the same human. And I think that's what this technology thing has done to our cultures. It's, we don't know how to talk to someone anymore face to face. So we all feel like we're going through this robotic, like, you know, and there's so many things like, oh, hey, can you fill out my app and like collect, like throw it in my humble opinion, like it works for you. Great. But for me, I don't even fool with that because people at the end of the day still want a real connection. So I would just, I'd say like, oh, where are you from? Like just like get to, and then you're going to have the people that come in and blow you off because they don't want to talk to you. And it's fine. But like, if you're, you genuinely care about who they are and what they're trying to accomplish, you know, then you're going to find success. If you are genuinely concerned about making a certain amount of money in a certain amount of time, you're going to hit walls and be frustrated and probably give up. Right. That's, Excuse yeah. my dog. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Uh, so 
that, that's amazing. I mean, anyone that has a fast start uh, is absolutely amazing. So what did you do that kind of first year, or at least that first 12 months uh, in the business? And then what did you do after? Like, how did they accelerate? First year. So you know what's funny is that we, if you're listening to this and you don't have any like real handle on um, energy <laughs> and like mindset, you know, if you're just kind of a, because it's something I had to adapt for myself and learn that what you think about, you genuinely, excuse me, Joshua, <laughs> no. <laughs> this is the joy of COVID. <laughs> it is. Don't worry, it happens all the time. Excuse <laughs> me. Because um, he may not stop. So, <laughs> sure. The um, I learned a lot when I right before I started into this. I was reading a lot about success and how connected that is to your mindset and how what you think about you bring about. So let me give you an example with COVID. Um, I had a lot of my agents say, "Oh, COVID, my business is going to die. Everyone's going to get they'd be too afraid to you know." And so a lot of agents have done nothing since right. COVID started. They're struggling. Right. I looked at COVID and I said no, there's going to be people that need to move through this and, and I'm going to find them. And I ended up this, honestly, COVID has been the most lucrative time in my real estate career ever. I think I told you I'm so stressed to the max right now because I have 21 pending closings between now and the middle of September. Crazy. So, man. no, that's insane. We're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> right. So, but that's all because I decided that I was going to continue to thrive. And right. Um, so to answer your question, what did I do? You know, so I hit that, I, you know, I made my salary in two months. And so obviously I called my, the school and I said, thank you. <laughs> right. I'm out. <laughs> I'm yeah. Thank you for those years in teaching. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I have another career now. <laughs> um, and then I, you know, the climb continued. I mean, I was, I, my goal I'll be frank. And my goal again is relative to my market, right? right. So my, remember my median is 250,000. So my goal was five homes a month, which would be a million, right? So five, cause if I'm going on the median, so sometimes that was four. Yeah. Yeah. That was my goal. Right. Well, because that, you know, takes 3% of that and right, right. that's great. Right? right. So I was tracking and then, you know, life. So here's where I believe so strongly in the mind because I was tracking and then somebody died. And I, I mean, I just froze and stopped and yeah. I watched everything. And yeah. it was almost like I had to start right over again. Like everything I had built because yeah. I stopped working, which is the beautiful thing about our job. Like if when something like that happens, we can stop, you know, like you don't, right. you can, but then you got to pick yourself back up. And so I, all I did is reemploy everything that I did the first time and I carried on. And so last year I hit the top of my company in, I joined the company in December, the brokerage last December. And by December, by November, I had icon in my company, which is the top of the company um, and selling my teeny tiny town prices. So um, yeah, it was actually really big. They said, I have a plaque like you would win a, gra a grammy I, one day this box showed up and i was like what's this and i haven't like there's literally a plaque like you icons i'm like no one gave me this in teaching like i uh, literally have changed people's lives and no one yeah it was really funny so um i i've got nothing but good to, to say about my brokerage and then i have nothing but good to say about this business because it really is going to be whatever you want to make it so yeah literally what i told you i did to get the two months where i did it mm -hmm. i've just re-employed that this entire time and 
you can work as hard as you want or as little as you want, but like it is all in your court. And so I, I would also add like something else that's very important in this business that I learned from MLM is that you, the follow-up, your fortune is in the follow-up. And by following up, it's not badgering somebody, but you can't get their name and their number at, you know, from your really great conversation at open house and then think they'll call you. That's right. not how this business works. Like right. you have to get their name and their number, figure out what they want to do. And then you text them or call, and I'm a texter, you text them and give them suggestions. Like you right. keep that conversation going. And that's how I've turned so many first meets into relationships because I was the, but, but I kept it going and I like, how's your day? I was thinking about you because I saw this house and it reminded me of you or reminded me of the one we met in, you know, like I it wasn't like, Hey, want to go look at how, like, not this, like, ah, like nobody wants, that. like they just, yeah. they don't want it. And, and, you know, I've met so many people that I got names and numbers and they disappeared. And that's the other thing too, is you have to be okay with that. Move on, move on. Like, the longer you lament whatever, whoever hasn't called back or whatever it is, the longer you're pushing after success. Just, it's fine. Move on, move on. Yeah, no, I felt the same way. I mean, I, there's, it's always interesting because I, I got a lot of clients through open house too. And I still remember there's some conversations that are really good at the open house. I got their information and then I follow up for months and nothing, there's no reply, right? It's like, you're like, I thought it was a really good one. And then you have the converse ones, right? You're like, this one was, was an okay one but you end up going through the entire journey and, and buying you know, something with them. So it's, you, you really, you really don't know, right? Um, what? No. And I out. would, I would say like, there are people that I thought, right. oh, I have taken people to show houses. I'm like, these are my people. And then like, they ghost me. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> then we were like best friends. Like <laughs> yeah. what? And then there's this guy that can, I can still remember this one guy. I just sold his house. He bought a $600,000 house a year ago and I just sold it this year. Like, so repeat business comes quicker now too than it okay. used to. Like it used to be what? Seven, five to seven years. You'd yeah, hold on years, to a house. Yeah. No, they're turning them quicker than, yeah, it's crazy. I think the rates have something to do with that too. Um, but he, when he showed up at the open house, I thought he was like a stalker. Like he rolled in, like didn't look, you know, I was like, uh, like looking, <laughs> looking for my mace. I'm like, where's my mace? <laughs> and he's like running, you know, and he ran through, like, I'm like, this dude. and I almost said nothing to him. And then he was yeah. like, I said, Hey, I was like, right. I'm running away. Like, so what I also do is I have my card and have a piece of paper. So I have an excuse to talk to them, right? right. Like, Hey, I don't know if you want this, but I've got a sheet on the house and this is my card. And he was like, he's like, Oh, uh, Oh, Oh, okay. And I said, so are you new here? Like, like you're running <laughs> right. in my, you're walking around like a creep. I don't know if I should, I feel like I should get to know you just in case you try to kill me later. He would die. If he, needed, he, would die. he just happened to know, he just happened to be an engineer with no personality. So, you know, that's just, right. excuse me. That's just how he was. And so we ended up becoming friends. I mean, we ended up being, you know, quirky, but yeah. Sold him. I met him at a $200,000 townhouse and sold him a $600,000 house. So that's where like, right. You know, just never know. I think if you go into your job as a realtor excited about mm. what could happen, because I think that's the beautiful thing about this business is anything can happen. <laughs> like, and right. people who go to a job at nine o'clock in the morning and report to a boss, there's not that same excitement. They know what's going to happen. I have to do this and this and this and this, have lunch, do this, this and this and go home. Like our job's so exciting. Like, oh my gosh, you could meet, like anything could happen. And I think if you go in with that, you're going to find yourself so much quicker than if you go in thinking about all the ways it's going to be hard. 
Right. Guess what? If you think it's going to be hard, guess what it'll be? Exactly. It will be hard. Hard. Yeah. No, I think that's, you know, that's what I personally love about the business is you just never know. It's, it's, it's really exciting because you really never know who that next person could be. I mean, whether it's just a friend or an amazing client, right. Uh, and, and it's just incredible. Anybody could be regardless of how they look, how they dress and all these different things. Right. It's so really funny you say that. My first client, I did an open house and in comes this buyer. He is tatted up because I live in tiny town America, right? Tatted up. He's got his children. They look like they have a bathe in days. Their teeth are all a mess. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, they probably can't buy a box, like let alone. <laughs> And so I, um, you know, they came in and they're real nice though, right? Okay. And he's like, he goes, we're a first time home buyer. And so that kind of got me because I, I had such a bad experience. So I was like, yeah. well, and so, you know, it's nice to have a lender in your pocket. So I have a lender that has right. a link that right. someone could literally sit down and fill out right okay. then and there. Mm-hmm. And so I said, um, well, look, really for us to know where you're supposed to go next, that we need to talk to Linda. So he literally sat there on his phone and filled it all out. Do you know she called me two hours later and she's like, his credit is beautiful. <laughs> they can afford, they can afford anything. They, I was like, what? and I thought to myself, I almost didn't have a client because right. I judged the book by its cover. And I, that right. was, I've never forgotten that. Cause I, it's been, you know, because I've also had the people that look the richest you've ever seen, and they can't buy anything. It's like it's <laughs> right. all it's all a sh- it's, all, it's show. all a show. Yeah, like they're just having fun, <laughs> looking at houses, and pretending they're gonna buy. You know, so that, and it, it's not boring, is it? Like it makes no. this job so entertaining. You, I think, what you have to do, and that's something my friend who's been in the business forever taught me, is that you have to be never get attached to an outcome. Whether right. it's them working with you, don't even get attached to a house closing until right. it closes. Like, don't count that chicken until it's hatched. And and then if you think, I, I think the big mindset thing that I did that helped is that I didn't, I never became complacent. So if my goal was a million, I worked towards, you know, within that time frame. So you figured 30 days is the day. Right is the days you need to close, right? So I would see the calendar and I know I, so for example, I want to build up my November, my October now, right? Mm-hmm. So I know every day that I'm working towards September or August 30th, that's my window to October or, you know, and into September. So I'm, I'm, I'm not counting. If I hit a million, I don't go, oh good, I'm done. I keep going. Like that million isn't there until that time's expired. And then I move on to the next month mentally. Like I'm like, okay, now I'm looking for the next, because I can't, I can't do any more in October. I learned that lesson because I had my million and then I watched two fall apart and I was like, ah, (laughs) so like you can't, but if you keep going, like if you keep going, like they might fall apart, you'll do better than you ever dreamed. You just, all you're watching is the time in my, for me, all I'm watching is the timeline. So Mm -hmm. like it's the end of my window to close a house in August is done now. Right. You know, so my next month, I, I would have been, I'd be planning for my windows in September and into October. Mm-hmm. Like I have my million for September, but I'm still going to work to September because who knows what's happening to those. You know, like, who knows? Yeah. You don't know for sure. And so no. we'll, we'll wrap up pretty soon. But the, my next question is, do you see many investors coming to your market in terms of buying rentals or not so much of your town? No. Yes, yes and no, yes and no. Okay, yes, for the college. I still get the parents that want to buy the townhouse, you know, but there's no deals here. You know, like finding a finding a piece of junk and flipping it, you know, we've got so many local flippers, it's just really hard to find those deals. There's just too many people watching HGTV, 
Yeah. And I say that because I've been in some of these flips and I'm like, I literally was just in one the other day. I kid you not. They bought it for 99,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. Little three bed, two bath. And they put another bath in the basement, another bed in the basement, but the kitchen flooring was supposed to be like tile. It was stickers and they're selling it for 210. I was offended. I was like, you couldn't put tile down. You put stickers. It's literally oh. stickers. So I think, <laughs> I think part of our, our market is these people that think they can flip and like, finding out that we just get all these houses that are kind of being junked over. That's what's happening here. Um, To a lot of the flips. Yeah. There's people doing good work. There's people doing good work, but there's equally as many people doing a crap, crap job and trying to make top dollar because the market's hot. Do you happen to know what a rental figure would be for, because you said the medium is let's say 250,000. Yeah. What, what, a $250,000 single, is it a single family home? That's that the medium or is mm-hmm. that just in general? Okay. So if it's a single family home, like what was something like that rent for in, in your area, even to college students? And- if you were in a three bed, two bath, single family home, you could get starting at 2000. Okay. Oh. Um, which a mortgage on two, I happen to know this, a mortgage on 245 right now, if you have good credit and, a, and your DTI is in, in check, a mortgage on that would be 12. Yeah, there's already positive cash flow from that. So that's interesting. So, yeah. so, so the reason I, reason I bring that up is because you know I'm here in the Bay Area, and there's certainly always people that may be looking in other markets for a rent rent for rent. Uh, yeah, for rental, no, we have rental a, properties. Yeah, we have a need for rentals here, people, because everyone's buying. So I've got a lot of people that are trying to. I have messaged me personally as an agent. Hey, do you know any houses for rent? Um, a townhouse here. Townhouses run between 180 though. They start at 180. They're up there with a house. That's why they're having a hard time selling townhouses because you can yeah. buy a house for, for what you'd buy a townhouse. Um, but you know, like my one of my girls selling a townhouse, it's 204, and she could rent that all day at 1500, and her mortgage is 11. Right. Wow. That's so really you just yeah. bank you bank that surplus for repairs and whatever. Mm-hmm. You like you keep that at, and you just let somebody pay your mortgage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very good. I think I think my audience may like that. So you you make it different people interested, especially yeah. uh, it doesn't have as much of a you know the premiums of uh, the the more dense population populated areas. Right. Uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, well, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is certainly the smallest town that I've done, but it's all good. <laughs> it's it's all good. I mean, I think the key as well is like I don't also don't want to overlook like even though you may be in a small town, you can still do very well and can do a lot better yeah. than others in a big town because the thing is like i'm in the bay here here in the bay area there's way more agents here as well just from a pure volume yeah. perspective right i think california has like four hundred thousand agents and then so bay area probably has like at least half of that so at least two hundred thousand in the bay area right so and so crazy so 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 there's always these good and bad things about every area um but at the same time if you have the same uh, principles of uh, helping people. I mean, you can do well in any market. There's no, there's no difference there at all. Everybody wants to be, if, yeah, go ahead. I think if you took what we talked about right now, mindset and your approach, mm-hmm. I don't think it matters where you live. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. That. Well, how can um, people get a hold of you? Like what's the best way of people either getting in touch with you or maybe following what you're doing, any social media, things like that? Um, They can follow me on any social media platform. It's Renee Ruth real estate. Um, 
that's Facebook. You can also just follow Renee Ruth. I'm also a musician, so that's not boring. Um, so you can check that out too. And then you can definitely just hit me up on email with Renee Ruth real estate at gmail.com. So yeah, anyway. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you everyone else for tuning in. Yep. I'll see you at the next one. Bye now. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for making it to the very end of my podcast. If you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade-up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, I would love to connect. Click on the Calendly link and let's set up a time to talk. It's never too early to talk about options and to work out a game plan. I also do have an email newsletter, so sign up on the link in the show notes, or you're welcome to watch all of my content on YouTube. See you at the next one.